Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th episode of the Pixel Play Podcast, your weekly podcast where two grown-ass men talk about all the news in the gaming industry and everything they love and hate about this hobby. I am one of your co-hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined by Adam, CS Radical. In this week's episode, we are going to be talking about Sony focusing too much, perhaps, on AAA gaming and making remakes of some of their classics. We're going to be talking about what could have been a second Days Gone, and we're going to be talking about a debrief of the PlayStation Vita, what went wrong uh, from an insider within Sony. Uh, all that and more this week. Uh, Adam, before we get started, I want to ask, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good here on the, uh, the Sony Fanboys podcast, apparently, this week. Nothing but PlayStation stories. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining one bit, but, you know, otherwise. Uh, it's been a interesting seven days. I mean, before the show, most people aren't aware of this. We both have had some uh, some lovely technical issues leading up to this show. Uh, you were having trouble with your computer just constantly just not liking Discord, apparently. And then me, I tried putting an SSD in my PC, and it was just like, no, man, I'm a crash. It's ironic because mine is almost entirely a software issue, and yours is seems to be almost entirely a hardware issue so between the two of us we have a fully working pc or a fully fully piece of shit one or the other you be the judge well we technically have both it depends on you know what side of the grass you're looking at you know is it greener or is it not i mean i i, pref- uh, I, I prefer to just have like the normal <laughs> yeah you know just an you know average cut grass so. you know area uh, adam what have you been playing lately uh, well, because of the PC issues, not a whole lot. Weirdly enough, like, normally when I'm, like, watching, like, YouTube videos or I'm doing, like, something that really demands my, most of my attention, I'll put on, like, MLB The Show 19 because it's an easy, mindless game that I can still enjoy a little bit. I've apparently played way too much of that game in the last few days because since you've been having technical issues and waiting for stuff to install, update, restart, crash, install, re-update, you get the point. Um, Yeah, that's apparently most of what I've been doing. Although I do have a shorter game to review at the end of this show, potentially. But uh, in other words, I have played baseball apparently all week, which is uh, never a good sign because I should have played Outriders at least two of the few days that I would have, you know, not been here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's really the only way you can play baseball right now is, is you know, on PS5. I mean, legally, yes. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, we are now in our third lockdown. So is it though? Is it a lockdown? I mean, who knows now? It's 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 always we're in a different shade of gray. So. It's 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 so it's not so much a lockdown as a please if you possibly you know might try to kind of should do like can you not go outside? To be fair, it's the closest lockdown we've had since our actual lockdown. Yeah, that's kind of true, which is the sad part, I guess. But enough of the uh, COVID podcast. Play- yeah, welcome to the COVID po- podcast. <laughs> so me, I've been playing Cyberpunk some more. Uh, went back into it once the update 1.2 came in and i gotta say i'm pretty impressed with it i mean it's not a hundred percent perfect um but i'm finding it i'm loving the game in the sense of i love the story i love the um atmosphere i love that whole genre so it's working great i find that it's still a little rough around the edges in terms of some of the graphical fidelity there's some clipping and there's some weird stuff like that i've only had one game crash so far and i'm probably about five or six hours in so Hopefully that's the only one, but I got to say, I'm pretty happy with how it's playing so far. So, well, most people seem to seem to agree that like the game itself, if it doesn't break on you, it's actually pretty fun. It's just most of us kind of can't look at a crap ton of 
graphical and bug issues and be like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, so like the the bug issues that I'm facing, it's nothing like game breaking in that sense. It's essentially just like the worst ones that I've had is I have like I had one guy who was like sinking into the cement and he was like basically just at shoulder height and I'm like, oh hello, like how are you doing? Um but other than that, it's just been like some weird like I had a character that was like holding like a purse or like a data card or something like that. And it just was like weirdly clipping in their whole hand. So uh that was like one of the issues or yeah, like there was the one I, t- I think I talked about last week where your character was in front of a door and it was just the shadow was really pixelated. So minor glitches, like it's not going to ruin the game for me, but it's obviously like not 100% polished, but definitely playable. Definitely. Like if you're interest, interested in it and you want to get into it, I, I would not within the five or six hours that have been. It sounds like it might be getting back on the PlayStation store soon as well, too. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, once again, I'm playing on the PS5, so I can't speak to any of the other consoles. But yeah, I'm I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't start crashing significantly. I think I'm going to stick with it. Um, and if it does crash, then I'll just wait for the PS5 version. Adam, let's just jump right into the news. Um, I think the big news article for this week was the article that came from Jason Schreier up at Bloomberg. Um, he- I'm not going to go into the whole document. Long story short, what had happened was there was a small team of you know, developers and people who work on games who were looking at making a remaster, remake. I, I don't know how we categorize this. I'd say remake. Yeah, be a remake. Of the Last of Us. Yeah, using the, the engines and the graphics and all like the sort of good stuff from The Last of Us 2 to make the original Last of Us look like that. So this would be the, ne- this would be the third time that a, a skew for the last of us has been released um and obviously look far better and far greater uh, but that eventually just got pushed out to like they kind of became amalgamated with naughty dog the team kind of got dissolved and kind of just amalgamated to them and a lot of people kind of took got really angry about it um you know kind of arguing that sony is focusing too much on you know triple a blockbuster titles they're not taking enough risks they're not um you know supporting the smaller I- ips um recently they're you know getting rid of things like uh gravity rush and everybody's golf um and so like people were kind of upset about this did you see this article at all did you have you i've honestly glazed over because a lot of it's just like i know that there's a lot in that article that can probably be taken pretty seriously but i'm also as a gamer just being like okay but like sony's delivering so like do i have as a fan, as as a customer, really have to care when the stuff that they are delivering on is as good as it is? Not right now. If this is like, say, 10 years down the road, or not even 10 years, 10 years is a long-ass time. But like, let's say three to, in the next three to five years, like their big run of blockbusters are suddenly not any good, or at least like certainly not to the same quality. Then I guess the conversation changes. But like, I don't really know how to respond to like everybody's golf gravity rush not being around because I didn't play either of them. And generally speaking, I don't play a lot of their, I guess their smaller games. Like I did play Concrete Genie, wasn't really my thing. But I mean, they've had a bunch of stuff, especially with PlayStation Plus, where they've been definitely really friendly to smaller developers as well by putting giving them a big platform to, to show off. I mean, look at Mediatonic with Fall Guys. like, And uh, what's the other one? Um, oh my God, the Rocket League guys. Both Psyonix. Yeah, Psyonix, yeah. So both of them got free on that platform. Ironically enough, Epic, I think, has bought both of them now. Yep. So, 
clearly Sony's done good for some, so maybe it's just within their own house, but if their business strategy is one that's paying really high dividends right now, I don't see why, why at least in my case, I need to care. If I'm somebody working in, in a small-ass studio, yeah, I can totally understand it, though. See, I'm of a different mind. Like, is it an issue right now? No. I mean, I'm having a hard time thinking like the last, like the last, the last Sony big names, you know, game that I can think of that disappointed me. Like, I can't really think of one. Like, I mean, I guess the Order 1886 would be like one of them. Um, but even still, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't amazing. And, but I think what this is going to do is that you're now souring your relationship with, your developers and your parties. And if you're going to become stifled in the fact that it has to be a, you know, big triple a, you know, third person, you know, linear semi open adventure, like you're going to start stifling creativity. And like one thing that creative people need is they need that, you know, freedom to kind of do what inspires them or what, what interests them. And so I think if it becomes to the point where you're just doing these large triple a games that need to do hundreds of, millions of dollars in order to be successful you're going to become risk averse and you're going to fall into a trap of just kind of having the same game over and over and as much as i'm loving all of sony's games like they are starting to become similar in terms of what they're doing and i think back to you know early days of playstation 3 and it was a lot different like there was a lot more risk there was a lot of weird stuff and not all of it hit but the stuff that hit was awesome and the stuff that didn't like you kind of just got forgotten is that good in terms of a business sense? I don't know, but you know, it's you have to kind of have both. And so, is this is this the end of is this a problem right now? No, but this could be a canary in the coal mine kind of situation. I mean, you can go both ways with it too, though. I mean, what has these titles, like the ones that I guess they're referring to, is like taking some risks? Like, what have they done? Because I mean, you look at the list of of most of the games that we don't think of AAA, we don't think of like the big names. I mean, here here's just a few of them off the top of my head, like Predator Hunting Grounds, absolute flop. Dreams spent so much time in limbo, meant to be this huge, really cool project. No one cared. That didn't do very well. Medieval came yeah. back, didn't get a lot of attention. Concrete Genie, again, like really cool indie game they tried to push pretty hard, but didn't do so much. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. It's, it really just comes down to like, okay, like they can care. Like we're not saying not to, but it's also the record is kind of showing at this point that as a business, if you're trying, if you're in the business to try to make money, which that's what the gig is right now, if, if, given the, the economic system we live in, uh, you want to go with what's making you the big bucks and what's making the big bucks right now is the big masterpieces. Now, whether they can continue to build masterpieces every single time, like, Maybe Horizon 2 is the first one that kind of shows that, okay, maybe they're starting to lose the edge a bit. Maybe it's God of War Ragnarok. Maybe it's the next Uncharted that they're rumored to be making. We don't know, but at this point, that's their bread and butter. That's what their system selling, that's what, sorry, what their system sold on. Like, that's why PS4 did as well as it did. That's why PS5 right now is currently ahead in the game, even though Xbox is literally throwing heaven and earth and high earth to try to get you to buy their system because of Game Pass and stuff like that. So, I, like I said, I get it. I totally understand why somebody in the industry would be really put off by what they're doing, but it's working. So you can't really argue it as much as like, you. it's in the same vein that like, 
if the company that I work for is not making any money and they decide that, you know, we can't be giving everybody a raise, I don't really have as much of a case as sometimes. And if all the big projects that are making the company money for Sony happen to be the big ones, I can't really blame them if what they're trying to do is stick to that formula because it's what's working. Now, if down the road, like, I don't know what the next indie thing would be, like, I don't know if 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 there was a Gravity Rush three or a, I guess a new game based from those developers, and it suddenly just clicked, and you got five million buys, ten million, like it ended up being a big ass indie game. Then the formula can change. Then maybe they take a look at these things. But right now, what's the big sellers? Ghost Tsushima, Spider Man, Miles Morales, um, God of War, you know, Last of Us Part Two. Like those are the things that's making them the big dollars. So it's not surprising that they wouldn't do it. So for me personally. It doesn't affect me because as long as I'm getting the games that I want, I'm cool with wherever it comes from. It's just, if it's not coming from a certain place, well, I guess I'll have to go somewhere else. And Sony right now, they know that they're the place to go, so that's where they're they're leaning to. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to advocate and say that they don't need those big AAA games. They absolutely do. Like, that is the selling feature of the PlayStation is that, you know, they're they're not as competitive to, you know, customer benefit as, you know, the Xbox is right now. However, you do get those massive staple tentpole games. Uh, but I'm just thinking, like, don't get rid of those. And I'm not saying, like, go completely indie either. But if you have that middle tier, kind of like you said, the concrete genie, the dreams, like, it's hard to say, like, was that a game that, you know, did as well as it could? Or is something like Dreams, did they just not market it well? Like, it, it's well, that's the honest based- question, too. Is it is it because of the studios that they're using? Or is it just that... Because, especially with the indie market too, because the indie market is so much more massive right now because it's so much easier to get these games out compared to, you know, a 20, 30, 40 hour like AAA epic. So the yeah. market is so much more saturated in these. I mean, take a look at Steam. Like, it's impossible to find. There are some, probably some amazing 10 out of 10 masterpieces we'll never know about because it's so well hidden in the store. So is is that genre of game, like, or not that genre, but that like, a level of like studio development. Is that something that Sony needs to put their money into, or is it just better off to just let the indie market sort themselves out? And if, you know, they're going to come to their store anyway, maybe that's, you know, where you get your, your piece of the indie pie. It's really just up to them if they think it's worth it in the end, because if concrete genie doesn't like tip the scales, but it makes them, I don't know, let's say 500 grand, then no, no sweat. But if it's not making the money and it's, actually losing the money and not a small amount either even though sony's making a pretty good ton of money with all the stuff that they are churning out it's still at a point where you're looking at something on a sheet and being like we paid this much money like this was our budget and you guys went under by like a couple million like we can't just look past that yeah i guess my thing is i just don't want it to become like a situation that xbox found themselves in the last generation where they didn't really expand and work on a lot of you know, they didn't do a lot of unique and, and different things. Like they just, they had their halos, they had their gears of war, they had like two or three tent poles and that's not enough to sustain it. So I like, you need to have that constant trickle and not every game can be a big triple A game. And so if you have a situation where, Hey, we have one or two massive games throughout the year as the tent poles. And here are some cool things that we kind of vetted. Like for me, Sony has kind of become what Nintendo was back in the nineties. Like there's a certain, know seal to it that if you know if sony backs it like generally it's going to be well polished i guess like 
once again, I'm a I'm a Sony fanboy, so I might just be biased, but like to me, there was a certain level of expectation with the Sony game, even if it wasn't AAA. Like there was a certain expectation of that, you know, it was going to be good, and so I just feel like moving, getting rid of that lesser tier that kind of filled up those gaps is going to be a problem for them. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's so many other little factors too that we can't possibly be aware of. Like obviously, what the pandemic could have been doing for the last couple of years might have limited like what can come out um i mean clearly if if you look at like the list of sony interactive entertainment games alone like in terms of what just is only up on psn rather than you know being a retail release it's definitely lessened over the last few years but again is that because i think there's a couple reasons for it we're going to get into one of them because we're going to talk about the vita i think a lot of those games were kind of designed as vita games initially that's where a lot of like their non-triple a games were coming from so at the same time, that's kind of limited their stuff, but also VR has been pretty lessened lately. I'm sure they're gearing up for the next one. So I'm sure some, some of their side stuff has gone to VR and setting up for that new uh, piece of hardware. And then just quite frankly, it's like, like I said, the indie genre doesn't need to have a console manufacturer suddenly put, put their hand in the market. There's so much they can pick from. Like you don't need to have like five or six studios trying to churn out indie games over like the course of three years, because you can just pull from a super meat boy, or you can just pull from a Celeste, or you can just pull from, you know, any of these other games that kind of make it big elsewhere. Cause it's going to be on their storefront because an indie developer would be just an absolute idiot to not put it on, on PlayStation in the same vein yeah. that you'd be an absolute idiot to not put it on Xbox or put it on switch. Like you want as many eyes on your product as you possibly can. And if it gets good on one of those platforms, it will translate to the others. So I don't know if, if we're just talking in terms of not triple a games, I don't know if Sony has to, but it's the same thing of like when we said um, the other show where it's like, they don't have to have backwards compatibility on the PS five, but it'd be nice. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. I don't think Sony has any obligation to really dip their hand too deep into that market, but it'd be nice for them to do it because a, it's more jobs for more people in the industry and two, you never know. There might be that one mega hit that just suddenly hits just on all cylinders and it becomes something that maybe down the road could be their next AAA project that they can add into their library. So it's both ways. Like I see what a lot of these people in the industry are talking about, but I mean, on the outside, I'm just thinking like, but we've got so many games that it's it's not really affecting me personally. So it's more of an industry thing, I think, than it is for anybody out, outside like we are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't affect us directly, but like I said, I I just, you know, my focus is just what does this mean for the the catalog down the road? Hopefully it's fine, but we Ideally, it means maybe a few less with Sony's name attached to it, but I don't know if it means like the numbers suddenly dwindle, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing that came out of it was the discussion of The Last of Us 2, but I'm going to circle back to that in a bit. Um, one other piece of news that came out of this article was the discussion that there was talks about a days gone sequel that got canceled and it we kind of got a little bit of information of what that might've looked like. Um, so it looks as though um, one of the directors or someone involved with days gone Two uh, went on and spoke with uh, David Jaffe and they were talking about what a days gone Two would have looked like. And he was talking about how days gone Two was rejected, but ultimately what he was kind of seeing was he wanted to see like a co-op open world kind of, you know, online sort of shared universe. 
Um, so it says, um, according to IGN's Matt Perslow's article, when asked by Jaffe if the idea for a co-op mode would have been implemented in a sequel, Ross said, it's one of the things that we had in our pitch. Yeah, it was the idea of a shared universe with co-op play. Explaining the vision of the co-op, Rob describes it as taking this world that you've built, all of the assets and systems, and repurpose them for some sort of similarly themed multiplayer version of the universe. So it would be like guys, uh, sorry, it would be with guys like Deacon trying to survive, building up clubhouses or crew. I think it'd be fun in the in that world cooperatively and see what the horde battles could look like. It sounds a lot Adam, like State of Decay to me. I was going to say, uh, it does sound a lot like State of Decay. Now, you are the resident Days Gone hater. so And State I of Decay to... lover, ironically enough. Oh, interesting. So I wanted to talk to you about, you know, would that co-op mode have been enough to for you to bring you into Days If it Gone was fandom? just the co-op mode, probably, because I would not want the resources wasted on what I thought was a pretty boring story that kind of kicked me out within the first two hours. But I mean, it's not my place. Like, if clearly not every game is going to be designed for me, so it's not like, you know, if they wanted to make a story mode and then happen to have some multiplayer sprinkled in it, I mean, I guess that's whatever they want to do. If it really was focused much like Save Decay... We got a whole different ballgame here. That's because here's the thing. So I didn't really discuss too much of why I didn't like Days Gone. You know, when when you play games, like there's always those few cases where like you play something and after a certain amount of time, you just stop and go, you know what? I know that this is not jiving. For me, it's different lengths like Ghost of Tsushima. It took until like 10, 20 hours for it to happen. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order took between four to five days of gone within the first hour. I knew this was not going to be my thing. And there's, there's a few reasons for it. One of them is I think the zombie trope is overplayed and in, in a single player aspect, I don't think it works a lot anymore. They, Could, they weren't zombies though. They were freakers. It was different. I, I know it's so different. <laughs> also the motorcycle aesthetic isn't really appealing to me. So the biker culture doesn't really do much. So the visuals didn't do it. And quite outside of the, the biker stuff too, the visuals are just very plain and dull. Like it's, there's nothing vibrant about it. It's in the same vein that like a lot of people don't like Assassin's Creed Origins in comparison to Odyssey because the coloring is so much more vibrant in Odyssey. So that didn't help. And in the same vein of like, say a Jedi Fallen Order, like I played Days Gone and within the first hour, I'm like, I don't like any of these people. I don't care about anything that's going on. And the gameplay was pretty basic so i didn't feel like any attachment to anything that's like ghost of shima at least the gameplay worked really well and it's just eventually the story just eroded me jedi fallen order had the looks and it had a bit of the gameplay but again the characters just weren't doing anything days gone literally nothing was grabbing my attention so within an hour i'm like nah this is this is i, I can do so many other things but if you flip yeah. that entire aesthetic to just multiplayer now it's different because now you're in party chat, you're talking with people, you're doing stupid stuff, like you're just messing around. Like I play Killing Floor 2 all the time, or Left 4 Dead, or the one, um, Zombie Army 4 that just got put on free on PlayStation Plus. Those games, even though they're just basic shoot zombies until you get killed games, they're fun because it's the social aspect and it's the chaotic aspect. Whereas Days Gone, I felt at least in the little, because I know there are like the crazy mobs and stuff if you really get into the thick of things, but like it felt more like a rather like depressive, like dull storyline, kind of like what Last of Us kind of does to me as well, which kind of turned me off. That's kind of the sense that I got, which is why I left it. So, yeah. So I share some of the sentiments that you have. Um, I think 
Days Gone has an amazing, or has it? Sorry, has an amazing section in the middle, like or or towards the end of the game, like where you have all these weapons and you're going off against these, you know, two three hundred people hordes. Like that was the best part of the game. The story for me had moments of like, oh, I'm really interested, and then I had moments where I just didn't care. For me, the problem was that it had a terrible start. It took way too long to get started. You had this crappy bike that didn't really drive well and you had to constantly maintain it that being said i like the bike aspect once you got later into the game i just felt it took a very long time to get ramped up to a point where you felt like you had some control and some um you, you had you were able to kind of like withstand a little bit within that world and then i felt towards the tail end it took way too long to get to where it was going like there was a whole second part that almost could have been like a dlc component and so i think that's what kind of killed it for them it's a great game. Like it's fun. I like the story for the most part. I just, once again, we talk about this all the time is that you just need to know how long your story needs to be. And this one was just one that just took too long to get like start cooking and then was overcooked at the end. So I think that was the problem. I think to be honest, I, at first I was kind of like, nah, they shouldn't do an online mode or anything. But the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense. Like the gameplay was in my opinion, the best part of that. Well, I mean, let's be completely to honest too. Every time people saw those trailers, like the, the big debut of that game, no one gave a shit about the actual like character that was in it. They just saw the massive run of zombies. Mm-hmm. That's chaotic. Like that immediately looks like multiplayer to me. The second I saw it was a single player story game. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> cause that's see, cause so the idea of having a hundred, especially now with the PS5, cause you know that they could render that real well. Mm-hmm. especially with the SSD, you can have like a map where you come off, like you come up a roof and you just see 200 zombies just all like circling around this place and be like, we have to cross that. And you look at your like three buddies and be like, all right, grab your shovels. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So for me, I think the way I would kind of look at it is I don't think an open world or like a shared world makes sense. Like I think that wasn't, that, that would not be a route I would go. Because you're in an apocalypse, and so generally you're not supposed like there's not typically a lot of people around. Yeah, ideally you're not supposed to see that much. Exactly right. You're not gonna be like, oh hey, there's a guy like you know teabagging another guy. Like it's it's like every know. MMO that it's like you're the one hero, except when you get to the hub world and there's like fifty people running around who are all the hero. Yeah. So for me, what I would almost want to see is I'd almost want to see something like like the division or something like that, where it's an open world in the sense that, you know, you and like a crew of people can go into this single player, like into this campaign. So like do sort of a journey where you and your crew are going from point, you know, a to point B on your motorcycles, right? You're, you're trying to get back to your chapter house or whatever. You're trying to get back to home and like basically just traversing across America with this crew of yours, like four guys or whatever. I think that would be kind of what I do. So do a linear story but have it that it could be like done cooperatively. So it would, like, it would also um, be a story too, that like, unless you can get some really good writing into these games, which most of these games tend not to have, like sometimes it's, it's decent, but most of the time it's just barely there. It's more there just to keep you moving. Like, well, I mean, what the, if you did it something, what if you did it something like, like a ghost recon breakpoint? So you could have a single player story with like genuine characters but what happens is like though you're you could either play it by yourself and have the computer play as the other 
characters on your crew, or you can have buddies jump in at any point and play, you know, Deacon or, um, God, I forget the other guys. Well, it's not to say it's not possible because I mean, destiny's done a great job of it over time, but it took a little mm-hmm. bit of, of time for them to get their footing. So, I mean, it's, it's always doable. It's just a matter of how much do you want to focus on that when realistically, like if you're doing the multiplayer co-op stuff, your focus should always be on the game. Mm-hmm. The story really should be coming second, especially for on like, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like a game like Days Gone that's a zombie multiplayer game, story really isn't that important because the majority of that story is just survival. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say like let's you know write the most epic campaign story of all time, but I'm just saying just you make, could just have make it like base like bearable enough that it's not going to turn you off, and then just kind of have like a few jokes in there, like have some fun to it. But like, yeah, like I, I give the character some personality, but you could just yeah. make it a simple story of just hey guys, we were at like some motorcycle rally when this all broke out and we need to get back to you know the the clubhouse or something like that and then like you can have like your your characters with their personality traits and then just have each one kind of be like their own little character swap through them if you wanted to so like do a situation where you have like your cold ass like you know sniper guy you have your crazy you know explosive pyromaniac guy and you can swap through them or you can have like your buddies take over one of them if you wanted to like that's kind of how i'd how i'd do it i don't think the shared universe really makes sense if you want to go that shared universe style i would almost do like a days gone like one kind of thing like so like when you start days gone you're like a couple hundred days in or whatever um but if you do like it like as the apocalypse is breaking out so you don't have the hordes but you just have you're dealing with other people as society is collapsing like we always do post-apocalyptic after everyone's dead but what if we did like the dying days of society and people are like kind of like what the uh, the newest walking dead series was kind of doing yeah exactly like do like day one gone kind of thing or there you go there's the name of the game one day gone <laughs> well it was supposed to be two so maybe it was two days gone well it's a prequel we're working on it um do you want do you want to switch over to talking about playstation vita or do you want to start talking about remake i mean we just talked about dead people why not talk about the vita there you go we'll do that so i i was cruising around on reddit uh as sometimes do and i came across a very interesting uh ama with a former sony employee who was part of the vita team and worked with them and he gave a lot of interesting insight into what was you know going on at sony you know during the whole process what happened um so i thought it'd be kind of cool to kind of talk about some of the key things that happened with the vita like where it failed you know why some decisions were made and just generally talk about it um before we get started did you own a vita i own the playstation tv i never owned a vita you were one of the three people that owned a playstation tv yeah because i wanted to play vita games without having a handheld because i play on a tv like a normal person i like having a functioning neck Ah, I see. Yeah, I had uh, like the first iteration, like the OLED um, PlayStation Vita with like the proprietary charger and everything. It was, it was great. I loved it. It was a great console. I never been much a handheld uh, gamer, I, so it's always been a struggle for me. Like I've had a PSP given to me. I had a 3DS just because I really liked the look of it, and it was a Persona 3DS. But like, I don't play a lot of games on my phone still to this day. So handhelding has just kind of been one of those things where it's, I mean, I drive everywhere. So it's kind of pointless for me to have a handheld for the most part, considering the only time I would ever use a handheld is outside of my apartment, which is barely never because I'm driving to those places. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, I totally get that. Like, what was your experience with like initial impressions before we get into this? Like, what was your thoughts on the Vita and you know PlayStation Vita TV or whatever? Like, well, where do you I, fall in that? I thought the Vita was fine. Like when it first got announced, because I'm like, okay, it makes sense. It's going to be a much stronger PlayStation Portable. You can get some bigger games on there. Like, they're trying to compete with Nintendo. Like, it made sense. And then when it clearly didn't work, they went with the PlayStation TV and it went, okay, cool. Now I can at least play some of these games that I've missed out on. Because there was games like Persona 4 Golden. There was uh, Freedom Wars. There was the first two Trails of Cold Steel games. Like there was a lot, especially in the Japanese market, because that's the one thing that kept that console alive for so long was the Japanese market. I think they yeah. still even make games right now in Japan for that system. Yeah, if they if they are, like if they aren't, like it just recently ended. So Yeah, like Japan loves their mobile market, so it made sense there. But like for yeah. me, it was just the stretch of games that I'm like, I wish I could play you, but you're only on this handheld that I'm never going to touch. And then Sony's like, hey, for like 80 bucks, you can just get this little tiny piece of plastic that you can play it on your TV. Sold. Yeah. And so I played like five kind of... games on it, but it was worth it. Yeah. So one of the things that did come up um, that a lot of people have a problem with the Vita was the lack of games. So people ask, like, why weren't there a lot of games on there? Um, and so someone just kind of said, and one of the questions was, uh, why is it that Sony dropped first-party support? Uh, there were so many games on the PS3 or PS4 that could have gotten decent ports that they really rocked, um, e.g. Unreal 3 games. But the number of games that really show what it's capable of is quite small. And so uh, the Redditor, whose name is former Sony dude, says the ROI just wasn't there. Uh, market presentation was weak. While they made earnest efforts to make games in the beginning, when those numbers didn't improve, they stopped investing. The PS3 outsold the Vita 4 to 1, and the PS4 outsold the Vita 5 to 1. As a Vita fan, it sucks, but Sony as a business was targeting areas where sales potential was higher and mostly left Vita to the third-party partners. They still made money on every sale, so they were largely happy with accepting it as a passive income for most of Vita's life cycle. So that was, you know, everyone was kind of saying, like, why, why are we not seeing a lot of these, you know, first-party games on the Sony hardware? And the fact of the matter was there just wasn't an ROI on it. Um, and I mean, realistically too, like the comparison is that as of today, or this article is from 2018, I should say, uh, 16 million Vitas sold, yeah. whereas 3DS sold 70 million. And again, we don't, I'm, it doesn't tell me where these things sold. So realistically, I'm willing to say more than half are probably just J Japanese. So in North America, the likely, or even not even North America, the rest of the world, there's likely at, at most, if we're being generous, 10 million customers for them to go to. That's not enough if you're if you're a AAA publisher. You're not going to port a game on Vita for the potential of like a few million people to buy it, and that's even probably being generous because I I doubt it. I, it's probably more like six million people in the rest of the world. I'm willing to go out there and say Japan probably paid like the majority of these because that was their console. Yeah, but it's hard to say because this is one of those chicken the egg things. Like, was no one buying the consoles and the games because they weren't making them, or you know? Could they still have made them and nothing happened? Like I think they. I think it's a bit of both, out. honestly. I think in the early days it was just they they put a lot into it, but people weren't really into it because Nintendo already owned that market pretty well. And then as soon as you know people started realizing that oh it's not selling well, so then we'll stop wasting money on these games. And around the same time, people went oh the game library on Vita is kind of dead. Yeah. I think I really One think it's, it's probably a mixture of both. It's just when what happened first and to what extent. Yeah, I think one of the things, one of the major gaps for Sony 
um, or for people buying it was the proprietary memory cards. Like, do you remember those cards? I do. Cause, uh, they were dumb and it was, yeah. it was, it was a story that was said for a while and never really got addressed. Cause I think Sony just went, well, we got to make money back somehow. Uh, it was brutal how like those cards were so expensive. Like I remember for the longest time I had a, I only afford like a four gig memory card. And then eventually I think 32 came on sale and I got one, but yeah, like it was like 120 bucks for like, 16 or 32 gig like memory and you, card. And you think about what 120 bucks gets you now in an SSD on a computer. So it's like not even not even like now, but even back then, like the price of an SD card was drastically cheaper than what you know a PlayStation Vita memory card was. Yeah, there was that um, too. Yeah. So one of the things that they did ask, you know, they kind of said like, um, like why did Sony continue with proprietary memory cards after it became obvious how much of an obstacle it was for potential buyers? Uh, former Sony dude says. Um, that the proprietary memory cards were actually a result of the Sony hack from like 2011 or 2012. Uh, Sony became really paranoid about hacking and all that stuff. And so that's why they ended up creating the proprietary memory cards. I to think which I say, underrated. no one cares about hacking. Jesus Christ. Well, you know, you got to think about it. Like they, you know, think about the PSP. Like that thing got hacked quite a bit. And I think by yes. having this memory card that was, but having this memory card that is hard to, you know, transfer or copy things on, harder to put on software that would allow you to emulate or to build. But Nintendo didn't have that problem. And if they did, it didn't matter. So I think it comes down to two is like you weren't selling enough and you probably would have sold more if it was something that people could homebrew. Yeah. Because I mean, how many let's let's be completely honest here. This is a fun, like tangential question. How many people actually bought a PlayStation uh, Classic because they wanted to play PlayStation games or because it was a really cheap mod device? Yeah. A lot of PlayStation Classics just sold because people knew that they could use it for that. There's still a plus sometimes to letting things go like that. But in the case of like, I I don't really care that hacking might have become a problem with the Vita. You still would have, to the average customer, sold plenty more Vitas if it was more accessible to them if they realize that, like, I can buy this handheld and not have to spend $150 just to be able to basically have more than two games on it. Yeah. So coming to the end of, like, switching over towards the end of the PlayStation Vita, you know, people are starting to ask, like, the idea of the PlayStation Vita store shutting down, like, has it been something that has been planned? And talking about hacking and stuff, so... Uh, one Redditor asks, has Sony been planning this shutdown for a while, or did they decide recently to pull the plug? Developers were left in the dark. It seems very sudden, so any insight would be interesting. Uh, former Sony dude responds, it's been a while in the making, but when I left, there was still some concrete data. As soon as the firmware was broken in 2016 or 2017, it was on the chopping block. After the nightmare that was the 20, 2011 hack, Sony, uh, Sony was terrified of the word hack or any potential network intrusions. Fun fact, the PSP was actually planned to have trophies until that firmware was broken and they dropped it like a hot potato. Um, so yeah, so they kind of talk about the fact that, you know, the hack had a huge impact on Sony and like I can see why they're, you know, protective of their infrastructure. If they have a way that people can kind of use these handhelds to get into the system like that could be a problem. Yeah. Do I think that it's worth shutting down the store because it's been hacked? Like, no, it's been hacked now for 20, it's been broken for 25 years now. Like, if something was going to happen, it's going to happen. So I don't know if that's a justified reason for them to do it, but that's at least it's, it's like we've said before on the issue of like piracy and stuff too. Like just because a few people do it doesn't mean you should be alienating like the other, like 95% of your customer base that aren't. 
Yeah. So kind of closing down, like, you know, why did the Vita fail according to this Redditor? Um, so they ask, you know, why did they fail? Or sorry, one of the things that they did talk about is like, if the Vita was failing, like, why did they do something like the, the PlayStation Vita TV? Um, and, you know, he, he goes on to say that it was pretty much a salvage attempt um, and that it was easier to build a new, you know, cheap, you know, system in a, instead of getting like the HDMI out to be working on the original OG Vita. Um, and it kind of addresses some of the concerns about price point, like you didn't need to have the memory card or whatever. So it was kind of a way to salvage it. And that's why the PS TV came out, but kind of wasn't really supported. Uh, and then they kind of go on to finish, you know, um, why did, why he thought that they, or like why him and Sony thought if they did like postmortems or anything. And so generally the idea was is that they did do postmortems, but there wasn't any sort of consensus. Um, you know, did Sony give up too early on the PlayStation Vita? Was the market ready? You know, would the market ever be ready? Um, yeah. And so that's kind of the big takeaway from it. Uh, so they kind of all had different ideas of like what it could have been and it just, yeah, there, there's no real consensus amongst Sony as to why it did fail. And so my question to you, Adam, is like, was the PlayStation Vita destined to fail? Yeah. Yeah, why do you say so? Nintendo. It's it, There's not really an a, a easier way to say it. Well, I guess there's not, there's not a more complicated way of saying it. Nintendo just owns that market, and they have since, like, ever. <laughs> Nobody's really challenged them. Like PlayStation Portable might have had a good run, but in the end, like Nintendo just went, nope, DS, 3DS, and that was it. Because Game Boy already had it. Game Gear tried, didn't do very well either. So they were going into a market that they were going to have to be number two in no matter what. They were never going to be able to trump Nintendo because Nintendo was just churning out way too much at that point. There was no way you were competing. So you're already on an uphill battle. And then when the idea is you're going to be supported by a big library and that library fades, well, you're already screwed. And then on top of that, the memory card issue and just, it just kept compounding from there. Like realistically in retrospect, like there's no way that this thing ever could win. Even if you did the simulation like a thousand times, I think it fails every single time. And it's not even necessarily their fault for all of them. There are a few weird decisions in there, but it just becomes a matter of like, you couldn't trump the king. It's in the same vein of like every MMORPG minus like Final Fantasy XIV that ever tried to go up against Warcraft and win. You can't. So all you can do is try to find your niche and then that's it. Because Nintendo already found the market for that. In the same vein that like they knew that they can't compete console-wise anymore so they made the switch because they knew that they could carve out their niche. Vita just tried to be a competitor in my eyes by just being a stronger device with better games, except the games went away, which was their only selling point at that point. See, I, I disagree. I mean, I do think that the Vita was doomed to fail from the moment it was like, like not in the moment it was revealed, but like by the time it was released, like the cards were already set. Like, I think there were some weird decisions that were made. I think like having the touch screens was a problem, especially the rear touch screens. Like it was, pain in the oh, ass i forgot like have, about that thing right right so like it was in a weird market because like it, this was like right around the time that like mobile game was taking like mobile games were taking over and like everyone thought that, that was the future of gaming so i think they were like felt compelled to have that touch component and i think that was a detriment i think if they had tried to replicate it so that like 
one of the things that I wanted when I was looking at the the PlayStation Vita is like I love the fact that it had like dual analog sticks. Like that was a huge game changer. And I feel like what they needed was one of the problems that they had is that they never had those R2 and L2 buttons. They had the R1s and the R1 and R R1 and L1. They didn't have the second one. So if they had had those second triggers, this would have become an instant, you know, great remote play tool. But like how thick would that, come, would that handheld have to be then to, to facilitate that? That's the only, I but think, you know worry what? about it, right? Even, but like, even if like, if it wasn't a full size, but even if it was just like somewhat smaller, like a truncated version, or even like bottom pads or something, like just having that second controller to make it almost replicate what a DualShock 3 or a DualShock 4 had felt like, it would have made it really easy for them to sell this as, hey, it's a remote console, it's a handheld console, or it can be its own little game. And then you start having situations where, you know, the game can play exactly like that. But if you play like Uncharted and then suddenly like artifacts you find show up on the screen or something like that, like there was cool ways of doing that. But I felt like they kind of just got close to the finish line and then just totally went off the rails by doing like, you know, having it so you have motion controls in there and then you have touch screens and not replicating the controller. The other thing I think that was a huge issue was the proprietary memory cards. I think that really killed it because it's, hey, here's this $250 device because I think that's what it cost us here here in Canada. And then on top of that, yep, you're going to have to buy a memory card and yep, you're going to have to buy these games. And so it was kind of like, it really pissed a lot of people off and I think that was a a thing to deal with it. I don't think Nintendo had the cornerstone of the market. Like, yeah, they're the market leaders, but I think there was a there was a drive for a more mature style gaming experience. And what's, well, I mean, I like, think they had the opportunity to do it, but once the games faded away, like it was gone. Like the only, yeah. the only way you're going to beat Nintendo with their own game was by being different. And when the games mm-hmm. go away, ever like Nintendo had their Japanese market too. And that was really what the Vita market was left with. So having yeah. JRPGs on a Vita is not going to suddenly make people go away from a 3DS because they can get most of those games similarly on the, on the 3DS. Um, so think about it, like, do you think that Sony should ever attempt or will attempt a PS Vita 2? If they do, they have one option of doing it, and it's quite simple. You take this thing, which is the DualSense 5, or anybody not watching the video portion of this, you, set, you extend the thumbsticks out a little bit, or not the thumbsticks, the, the, the handheld, the hand parts, I don't know what you want to call this bit, the little bits that you hold your hand on, the handles, <laughs> I guess that works. You wind it out a bit, you put a screen in there, and that's it. And it's not a console, it's just a streaming handheld for your PlayStation. That's it. If you try to make a separate console with its own separate library, it will fail every single time. I don't think there's a way that they can they can do that again. I think the only way you make a Vita 2 is it has to, quite frankly, be either a PlayStation Now device or a PlayStation 5 remote device, and that's it. Yeah, like... I'd love to see another PlayStation. I'd love to see it too. I just don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's necessary though, too. I think with the way that remote play now works that I can play PlayStation on my phone. I can play it on my you know, tablets. Well, if you can make it cheap enough, I think you can make it worthwhile. Like if you can make it under 200 bucks and it would, and it would feel similarly to a dual sense, then maybe you can get away with it. But otherwise like, that's that's really the only thing that you could possibly get people's attention with is just being like, Hey, you want to play your games just wherever you go. Just be just basically be a PlayStation Switch. Like that's the only option they have. Yeah, you'd basically they'd have to create like a streaming device so that yeah, maybe that's what it looks like. Is it's just a yeah, basically we just took all the internal components of your cell phone and we just made it into um, a handheld, you know, that looks like the controller. 
I mean, they already have those things already, but like maybe it's one of those things where you don't want your phone or like. I mean, technically, the Vita can remote play a PS4 already. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's yeah, just a, so... it's just an upgrade, and obviously, like, I've never been a fan of the design of the PSP or the Vita. I don't like the way that it feels because it just it feels like I'm holding like a dinner plate that just has buttons on it. Yes. Yeah. It, it needs a little bit of like that curvature on the back. To That's what I mean. Like, if you make it. if you model it similar to the controller, because we've seen that with some with some people trying to do i think nvidia did something with the shield i think it was called where they had a similar thing where it felt like a joystick or not a joystick i keep saying like i keep not saying handles it's so hard but like to replicate like a lot of gaming like i could never imagine going back to like that's another part of the 3ds and stuff that i didn't like either it's a freaking square it's like i'm playing nes controllers all over again like i don't miss square edge controllers well this is the same i i find that even with the switch i find that the switch is so like I don't have like the the Joy-Con controller thing. I just use the Joy-Cons that come with it. And I find that those are very small and very dinner platey again, where it, like you don't have that shape to your hand. Yeah. And I don't even have that big of hands. So like. And that's it's, yeah. what I mean. I can't even imagine playing any of these games on my phone either. So, I mean, that's just me, but. Well, I've seen things like, like the backbone and stuff where you can like put your phone in and it has base. It basically what you're describing. It's got the shape of a controller yeah there's ways around it, but like point blank i know people who just play the games on their touch phone and it's like why i don't i don't think you should be hanging out with those people no i don't think i should either they don't sound like they're like thinking straight like they're not they're not all there look man the pandemic affects a lot of people in different ways all right (laughs) that's a symptom of the vaccine (laughs) suddenly you just play with touch controls yeah the side effects may include blood clotting and uh, the inclination to play really good games on really crappy devices. Uh, Adam, last thing, we're going to circle back to that article from Jason Schreier. I, I figured this would kind of be our topic of the show uh, in a sort of a way. One of the major things that came out that really uh, you know, pissed off a lot of people was the idea that Sony is looking at making a remake of, of The Last of Us, the original game using the engine and like the gameplay of the second one. Now, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world that they're doing that. I get why they're probably trying to line it up so that when the last of us two last of us TV show comes out, Hey, we've got a new skew. You've watched the show. You want to play the games. Here you go. Go nuts. I mean, first of all, but like, do you feel that Sony needs to remake the last of us? I mean, I know you're a big fan of it, but like, you know, temper that. I have a rule with remasters and remakes. Aside, well, I guess, I guess this rule could still apply to The Last of Us. It needs two generations. I know The Last of Us was also on PS3, but there's also a remaster on PS4, so it doesn't count anymore. If yeah. Last of Us, and also Last of Us was like, I think it was normally released on PS4 as well, wasn't it? Or was it just the remaster? Sorry? Oh no, Last of Us, I think, was only PS3 when it came out first, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Okay. So it came out in July uh, on the PS3, and then I think it was like a year later it came. Okay, out, like the PS4 came out. So no, e- it either was not- way, there is already a better version on the ne- the following generation. So why are we doing it again? This is like Skyrim memes all over. Like, how many times are we going to remake this thing? Now, if there's an yeah, audience, I-, I guess I can't complain. But I mean. It it just feels weird that like you already remastered it and now you want to remake it. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily know if there's a necessity for it because, like you said, it has you know had some care and some skill. Does it? Would it play better with? Excuse me. With I the, mean, if um, if they actually fully remake it and like 
I don't because I don't I haven't played both games that deeply. I only played like an hour of the first one. So, I mean, if they had like I've heard that there's some quality of life changes in the second game that work. Like Mass Effect's doing the same thing, where like they've changed the original game to be a little bit more like the second and third. So, I mean, I'm I suppose there are ways around it, but like I don't think the changes between one and two were so drastic that it feels like a different game. I think it was more just minor tweaks. Yeah. And I think there, there's a different case with with Mass Effect in that the game has like like we talked about last week or when we were talking about you know um, backwards compatibility like it's an iterative industry where things get better each time and you know the gameplay like our expectations of games change and I think Mass Effect One especially was a game that you know was great at its time but has aged. And it doesn't quite reflect how. Well, yeah, because we're also now. talking about a game in Last of Us that came out in 2013, and Mass Effect, which came out in 2007. We're talking exactly. a difference between, like, what, eight years and almost 15. Like, yeah, exactly. there's there's a bit of time between the two. And even so, Mass, Adam, I think I was... actually all three Mass Effect games came out before Last of Us, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah, Mass Effect three was 2012. Last... Yes, and I think the last of yeah, last of us was twenty. It was twenty thirteen. Yes. So so we're talking about a game that was released after a trilogy of games that's getting remastered around the same time, and also we're talking a game that was released after that trilogy that also has already had a remaster. So it's just that thing of like, this is such a we're just trying to see if we can milk a little bit more out of it because we know that people are going to get their like their heebie-jeebies, you know, going all crazy about the new HBO series, and they just want to see how much extra dollar they can capitalize on. My only question is, how much, how many resources are you putting together for a full-on remake? Because it's it's not as simple as a remaster. There is a lot more work that you'd have to put into it. So, Adam, what I thought we could do is, let's pretend we're Sony execs right now, and we're going to go through, and we're going to figure out, you know, if Sony's going to remake one of their, you know, hit IP, um, which one should they do? I'll start with and one question. So, Will this make us money? Done. <laughs> that's so. Let, let's figure out a criteria. So let's say, um, let's put it that the game could not the series the, the game. In, are we looking at a game or are we looking at a series? Are we making a series or just a game? I would imagine just a game to start with. Okay. So you want so to start with, a, like if it's a series, you want to start with the original to get people back in because you want to have that test. Yeah. Let's just do it. Let's just keep it simple. Let's do you can pick the best game of that series. So like if the sequel was better than the first one, well, you can pick the best one in the series, whatever. But let's make it that it could not have had like that game cannot have been on the PlayStation 4. So we can keep it on the PlayStation 3 if we want, but like it can't have had a re-release, a remaster. Yeah, the idea of a remake of a game that was only a generation old is just ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, We want to kind of assume that it has to be critically acclaimed. And that, you know, yeah, let's just get into it. So I got a list here. Let's do a quick, I'll read down the list and we'll get rid of the ones that we think right off the bat don't really need to be on the list. And so for this to eliminate, we'll do it that we both have to agree that it doesn't have to be on the list. Okay. Okay. So I have Infamous. Yeah, you would definitely want to do the first one. Resistance, Siphon Filter, SOCOM, Jack and Daxter, Rapper the Rapper, Twisted Metal, Killzone, The Getaway, Legends of Dragoon, Fly Cooper, and Dark Cloud. Okay. Are there any there that you immediately just say, like, let's get rid of this one? Right off the bat, some people are going to disagree with me on, on some of these, but Resistance and Killzone immediately because they're just basic shooters. I don't think there's anything about them that suddenly makes them, like, 
oh my god, like it has to be a comeback. I'm going to keep resistance because I, I I will make a case and defend resistance, but I will concede. You know, kill zone we can get rid of. Uh, Parappa the Rappa, just because I I don't think enough people care. So I don't Agreed. think I don't even it's even worth that alone because the license isn't that big a deal. Okay. Uh, Twisted Metal, I don't think you need to just because you can just make a new game and it's the same thing. I don't think there's a need to remake that kind of stuff because it's basically just a car arcade battle game. Like You can basically just make a new one and don't, not have to call it a remake. Hell, if they ever okay. release one, they'll probably just call it Twisted Metal because it's been so long. I think they also did make one in like the PlayStation 3 and just nobody cared. Yeah. Uh... Um... I think SOCOM we can get rid of too for the same reasons in that I don't I think I don't think people actually care about having the original come back so much as they just want another SOCOM. I think you can do it without remaking. Okay, yep. Yeah, I don't think anyone's clamoring for a SOCOM remake. Siphon Filter I actually have no opinion on, so I can't tell you on that one because I've never played any of them. I can I can talk about Siphon Filter a little bit. Um Jack and Daxter, how do you feel about Jack and Daxter? Uh, I think a lot of people would kill for a Jack too. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep the getaway on there. I think there's an argument for the getaway. You, you, cause you yeah, you could definitely make a, make a thing of like, Hey, don't you remember like when somebody tried to compete with Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. Um, Legends of Dragoon, you put this one on there. Are, like, do you have an argument for this one? Cause I didn't play it. I'm not the JRPG guy here. So just because I think it's the only time that like square enix around that era made a JRPG that people really, really liked. And it just kind of got away from them in the fact that like Sony just, I guess they didn't see the market when like Square was so dominant at that time. I'm not saying we have to keep it. In fact, I kind of just brought it up in, when we were talking about this ahead of time, just to be like, this is what I've seen a lot of people go after. But like, I can't see it being, um, like I'll even personally take it off myself because I don't think the market's enough there for it. Um, I'm going to do the same with Sly Cooper. I know people love Sly Cooper and I'm one of those people. But for me, I don't really know if we need like, a remake of Sly Cooper. I think what people really want is a new Sly Cooper game, not necessarily a remake. You can go both ways on that one, I think. Just because there is, like, a lot of us kind of growing up with the PlayStation 2, you would have that feeling with it. Whereas, like, like I said earlier with some of the other games, like, SOCOM is just a shooter, right? The Kill Zone is mostly just a shooter. Um, well, we can keep Sly Cooper on there. We can keep it there for now. It probably won't make the list compared to, like, other ones, though. Now, Dark Cloud, this is another one that you put up there. Same deal. Like, again, like, I think this is when a lot of people really remember if you were, like, into the cult stuff, but I don't think the market's big enough to hold it. Okay. So do you want to... So if, have... if this was, like, my top three, Dragoon and Dark Cloud would be on that list, but because we're being, like, executives here, realistically, the market's just not there to kind of guarantee us, like, a good traction on sales. Okay. Um, so we have seven. Do you want to get rid of one or just give one a buy? So we have what, sorry? We have seven games. Do we want to get rid of one more? And then we can do like brackets versus. What do we still have left? Infamous, Resistance, Siphon Filter, Jack and Daxter, The Getaway, Sly Cooper, and Dark Cloud. Oh, uh, we can kick off Dark Cloud then. That's that's the easy okay. one. So let's we'll do this as a bracket. So like we can do Infamous versus Resistance, Siphon Filter versus Jack and Daxter, and The Getaway versus Sly Cooper. Okay. It kind of actually works a little bit. Uh, so Infamous versus Resistance. Where where do you kind of go? It's here? easily Infamous. Without question, it definitely it definitely is. And in fact, in fact, I would even just go out there and say like Infamous is number one on the priority list. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think a lot of people really liked the first one and weren't huge on 
Second Son. Like, I think it's good. It, like, it was impressive it's at fine. the time. But it's, it's, it's a fine. pretty average game. Now, do you remake one or do you make, remake two? I mean, you start with... Well, I mean, two, you kind of need to know a little bit of one to start with, so I think it would make more sense to start with one anyway. And okay. I mean, it works out perfectly. Like, honestly, like, everybody is so into Spider-Man right now, you're basically just getting more of it with Infamous. Like, you could literally just give it to... Uh, I think it's Sucker Punch, right? It is Sucker Punch, yeah. You just give... You, you could literally just hand it over and just being like, guys, just do that again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I figure for this project, we're just going to get Blue Point to do it like they do every other remake, <laughs> like they did with Dark Souls. Now yeah i think infamous is a great candidate for like i think it's an it has a great gameplay but like graphically it's kind of like ooh, it's it's showing its age and it was just in that tail end where everything was like kind of brownish and blah well because you have like the superpowers you can definitely color it up a lot more now especially because there are games like um what was the i think it was first light was like the short story with uh fetch from second son and it was very colorful Mm -hmm. because obviously your powers are like neon and shit even even second son was a lot brighter yeah like you could definitely remake it to be a lot more vibrant than the last one was because that was the age of gritty dark like gray shit the the brown filter yeah (laughs) so yeah i i think infamous i like i think resistance has its place i think especially if you did something like the third resistance like because i think that was a pretty standalone story like I think people are kind of dying for a resistance to come back. And I think that would be a good way. of Which is like, weird because I don't think I, I don't think I know anybody that really has ever talked about that series. I found that like most people, when I bring up resistance, they're like, Oh yeah, that was, yo, I kind of remember that game. Cause again, it, yeah. it falls in that. It's like, a, just, it's another shooter. Like shooters are really, really hard to stand out these days. Like there's a lot of great shooters that most people have forgotten. Like when Bulletstorm got brought back to PS4, I think a lot of people forgot that that game existed just because like, it was a shooter and that had a gimmick and it still was forgettable because there's just, there's so many call of duty battlefield, like gears of war. There's all these things that just can take the attention away. So resistance is kind of one of those things too, that by not being relevant anymore, it just lost any traction that it used to have. Whereas like infamous, I think you can gain some of it back just on the basis of it's a superhero adventure, open world game that I think people are really okay with right now because it's not overly like saturated and the ones that we have right in the in the market right now are all really good so there's that extra like inclination to want to play more of it yeah um i'm just kind of playing with the bracket right now i'm going to bring back dark cloud because i have another game that we didn't mention that would probably get a lot of people yelling at us if we didn't so you'll see that when it comes up okay um you'll see it's a surprise okay um so oh, i thought you said what game oh is it no it's uh, okay all right, so next one, Siphon Filter versus Jack and Daxter. Like I said, I have no no preference to Siphon Filter because I've never played them, so I would just go Jack on, on based on that, but I mean, like... See, for me, I would go with Siphon Filter. Um, Siphon Filter, like, I've... I, I never played that one. Uh, I played a little bit of Jack and Daxter, and yeah, I look at Siphon Filter, and it is a game that definitely shows its age, but I think it fits right in with Sony's wheelhouse right now, like a third-person action-adventure you know, you have a bit of a spy game kind of there. And I know that a lot of people are clamoring for Siphon Filter. Like, it's been a long time since we've had it. And I feel like Jack and Daxter would just kind of feel like another collectathon kind of game. I suppose I feel with like Ratchet could... being, ex- it just really depends, right? Because, I mean, I'm sure that there's probably more of an interest in a Jack 2 remake than there would be in a Siphon Filter remake. Because I think. Siphon Filter, I think, would lean more in the like, hey, just bring the series back, but not necessarily redo the original. Yeah, I would kind of imagine that this would be a springboard, though, to another, like, to a remake. Maybe, yeah. the water for a regen. So 
I don't know. Where do you follow Jack or, or siphon filter? I've still followed Jack just because I've seen what like Astro's playroom did. And I see what like platformers can be on a PlayStation five. Now I'm been like, man, like you can do a lot with Jack and Daxter too. Okay. I will give you this one, but uh, yeah, I'll give, I'll, I'll give you this one. So I'll give you the veto on this one. Cause I think we're at a stillmate. So I don't want to make this just go nowhere. Um, number two, the getaway versus Sly Cooper. It's the getaway. 100%. It's it's so um, much more translatable to to a, a remake right now and especially like leading into like another game for that if that it takes off because again that is a game that I've seen people clamoring on Reddit a lot about. Well, I th- I think the other thing that I've heard about, you know, the getaway is that that basic first tutorial level is notoriously hard and is like is a gatekeeper for a lot of people. And so I think having that, you know, you see with um blood and blood also and better controls because i played the original and it controls like dog shit right so i think that's one that would benefit from like improved controls better gameplay kind of built in so i think that would kind of be i mean it's british gta like it's so it's so different already in that aspect and to be honest we don't really have a gta right now like we have gta 5 but like if you think about it like we've had gta 5 for 10 years almost it seems you know so i think for i think if you think about it like it's a, it's sort of not something that's really done anymore and i think it'd kind of be a good way for sony to kind of have like a exclusive gta clone right now yeah so the surprise one that we forgot to mention so dark cloud versus metal gear well that's because sony doesn't own the rights to it i'm going with it's a sony exclusive so do you want to keep it or do you want to get rid of this bracket I'm more just thinking, like, I don't think Konami is going to have a chance in hell of wanting to allow that because they'd rather just make casino freaking games off of it. Do you think that, though? You think if Sony said, hey, we'll build this game, we'll make it, let us make it exclusive, and we'll just drop a wheelbarrow of money in front of you? I've heard, I've heard rumors of, of Metal Gear Solid remakes. So do we want to keep this bracket, or do we want to get rid of it? <sighs> I'm just more thinking is like, is this a Sony exclusive? I know the the first one was, wasn't it? The, well, yeah, like but I don't know now that Metal Gear is, is more than just a Sony game that they would not like. There's no way that I think Konami would put the money towards them unless Sony was literally making the remake themselves. I mean, if you want to keep it in the bracket, we'd have to make like the hypothetical that it's them making it and not Konami because Konami would just port it. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know what? It's up to you. If you want to get rid of it, you can. Um, well, I feel like we should get rid of it because it automatically wins then if we put it in. <laughs> done. All right, so we've got three cho- three choices. Uh, Infamous, Jack and Daxter, or The Getaway. What's the first one you want to get rid of? Jack. Okay, I agree. Once again, probably a great... It, it is a great game. It's fun, but I don't think that, like, it's super unplayable or like i don't think it would really benefit from anything like it wouldn't be a drastic improvement like i think about like you know the the crash collection and like it was kind of great but like meh same with the medieval it's like yeah like it's fine all right so it comes down to two infamous or the getaway i have my vote To be completely honest, as much as I love Infamous, the getaway would be more of a surprise and would 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 be like the would have the most to gain if they fixed it and like okay. properly voice acted it, made it look a lot better. 
I actually... Oh, man. <laughs> I'm actually going to vote Infamous because if we're talking a remake, I would think Infamous is the better game from a remake, whereas a getaway, I think, would work better as a brand new game. Yeah, so I agree. Um, I... I I would love to see a new getaway i'd like to see a remake of the getaway i think um, i've forgotten so much of the initial getaway game that i think it would just make sense to just be like here's gta britain and just and just completely do it over and no one would know the difference at this point yeah like i think we're talking about once again you want something that's like a big AAA that's profitable and i think infamous is like if, like infamous is locked away on the ps3 like there's no infamous collection there's no you know, remake, like we have a God of War remake, remaster, we have a Uncharted remaster, like we have all of them except Infamous, and I think that's something that a lot of people would really like. I think there's a lot of people new, new to the ecosystem who have never played Infamous, and I think it has that clout that if you said, hey, we're remaking Infamous, people know what they're talking about, and it is fresh and it's original, whereas you know, the getaway, awesome. It is a GTA kind of clone, and I don't know if it's necessarily going to be revolutionary enough. That people are gonna be like, oh my god, the getaway. It might have, like I said, I think it has the most to gain from existing. But I think Infamous is, if again we're being executives here, Infamous is the far safer pick. Yeah, and I think that's where we're kind of landing is that the getaway would benefit most from a remake. But I think Infamous, sorry, said this right, the getaway would benefit most from a remake, but Infamous would probably do better in terms of being a remake. Because, like, if we were going at this from fans, uh, I'd go way back and I'd pull a Destruction Derby because I think those games are stupid fun. We, <laughs> we could all use, like, if you don't want to do AAA all the time, Destruction Derby, give me one of those games. I'll have a blast playing that. For sure. I mean, I guess they kind of, so, they sort of tried to do it with Destruction All-Stars, but uh, they forgot to do the race part of the game, which is probably my one thing that I still can't understand that game didn't do. It's like, here, we'll just have you in one of, like, three little battle arenas and that's it. I'm like, wait, it's a car game without racing? Did you ever play the game Split Second? No. Oh, I think you would love that game. It was awesome. Because like I, when I think Destruction Derby, I also think like Burnout as well, where it's just... I know that there was... Yeah. What was the one series on PS3? Was I think it was MotorStorm that they had? Yes, MotorStorm was one, yep. That was kind of a similar thing. Yeah, they were doomed to fail because of MotorStorm Apocalypse coming right as like the tsunami hit Japan. Yeah. And then I got delayed and it just PlayStation eh, it was just a bad time. No, so if you never tried Split Second, Split Second is awesome. So it's a racing game. Um and the crux of it is that you're building up points by like doing drifts and um drafting behind other cars and stuff. And you're on these like explosive like car racing tracks and so you're driving along and you can trigger these events so like, you know, steam pipes burst or you're flying in like this airport and you can have like a plane come and crash down on the landing and wipe out your other players. Oh, so it's kind of like, in- say like Wreckfest or what was that other one? I think it was, Oh, what was the game where it was like, you just trying to do stunts and like crashing your car over and making a mess of things. I keep wanting to say outcast. I'm like, no, that's a horror game. <laughs> that is way <laughs> off. But you know, I'm- if you're looking for like destructible kind of vehicular combat racing, split second is what you're looking for. Flat out, that was I had. There was an outing. That's it. Yeah. See, yeah. I was I was halfway there. Yeah. No. Take a look. Check it out next time. Split second. It's a, it's a. It was a game that I played. I'm not a racing guy, but it was one that I kind well, of. That's the stuck thing too. Me. I'm not too big on racing games. I mean, obviously with um with the advent of VR, I think it would become a lot more interesting now. But I obviously can't afford a VR rig with like a full on pedal and steering wheel. 
yeah. which is what I want to do. But um, games like Burnout, Destruction Derby, and, and stuff like you're talking about Split Second, obviously Flat Out, MotorStorm, like those games can all be fun because it's more than just driving around a course over and over again. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's got that Mario Kart kind of ask where that you could be losing, but still screw over the guy in front of you. And like it balances that skill with that, yeah. with that destruction. Adam, that's uh, all I've got on the docket for this week. Uh, I know we kind of talked that you have a untimely re- review. Do you mind if we put a pin in that for next week? Yeah, absolutely. We we uh, we went a long ways on this one, and you were like at the beginning yeah. of before we started. It's like, oh, I think this is actually be pretty short. I think we can fit it in there. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna be over an hour. I know it now. There was more meat on the on this bone than we thought. So <laughs> uh, let's just leave it there. We'll save that one for next week. Any sort of closing thoughts before we wrap up? Days Gone is still a terrible game. I'm gonna just keep saying that until it makes you really really mad. <laughs> okay no, you've like, already uh, otherwise I, 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 like i we're gonna it's gonna feel like we're sony fanboys on the show i mean let's be honest like xbox has had so much of the spotlight in the last little while i think i think it's sony's turn to at least have one week where it's just mostly them yep yeah, but, but it wasn't really good stuff that was the problem well that's on them do do better sony do better i mean other right. other, other than the fact that they're like hey we were thinking about competing with game pass and we're like good on you sony we'll wait until you actually see what the hell that looks like yeah yeah we're, we'll hold our breath all right ladies and gentlemen that has been episode 13 of the pixel play podcast uh if you're one of our regular listeners thank you so much for joining us again um please you know like subscribe tell your friends uh if you're new here it's the first time you're here welcome uh we are on anchor f at uh, anchor fm forward slash pixel play cast we are on a socials as well at pixel play cast on twitter and pixel play cast on instagram and we're also on youtube with uh pixel play podcast so if you're new here click like subscribe we hope to see you here next week and for those of you who have been longtime listeners thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate it and we'll see you guys next week bye now